Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, for the last couple of days, there has been a pause in the murder, bombing, of the people of Gaza. And I know that for all of you listening, for many of you listening who stay tapped completely into the news, this has been heartbreaking. It has been traumatizing. And I don't use that word lightly. I posted a video this week talking about the trauma scrolling that is happening on social media where you cannot avoid the pictures, the videos, the death, the destruction that weapons of war do to human bodies, that they do to communities, that they do to buildings. And this administration, you know, wants to receive credit for ushering in a pause while at the same time, at the same time, standing unequivocally with Israel and not holding the state of Israel accountable to the same international laws that other nation states that are recognized by the UN and other bodies abide by. They continue to use our tax dollars, billions of dollars, to fund the trauma that we are scrolling through. I have read articles over the last couple of days talking about the fact that if you care about the Palestinian people, then you won't want a ceasefire because all of the ceasefire does is allow Hamas to build strength and radicalize more people. And I'm thinking to myself, what do you think contributes to the radicalization of people? Honestly, 
right? Let's just take out this current situation. What the fuck do you think helps people become radicalized? When there is nothing left to fucking lose, when everything they know, right, has been destroyed, has been taken from them, their children, their home, their livelihood, their hopefulness, and they see no path forward. Now, this is very different than the radicalization that we see in this country by white supremacists and white domestic terrorists that continue to grow in this country, that radicalization is different than what I am talking about. Because their radicalization comes from this idea that something is being taken from them, and in order for things not to be taken, then they need to destroy the very communities that they feel are taking from them. But we cannot believe that the continuation of more than 14,000 people being murdered, bombed, crushed to death is going to be a way to peace. And there are reports that continue to float around about this, what they are referring to as a East Europe economic, Middle India, Middle East, Europe economic corridor that links railways and ports and all of these things, but at the end of the day is once again about who controls the dwindling resource of oil. And there have been reports about oil reserves that may in fact be in Gaza. So once again, we start to think about, is this war about liberation? Extermination? Is it about, once again, the 1%? Is it about greedy nations and their ability to extract from vulnerable, poorer places and nations? These are real questions that people are asking. These are real concerns that continue to grow. And this administration isn't answering those questions, the concerns, the fear, the anxiety that people have. And that is why 11 and a half months out from the 2024 election, I am hearing people say that they are not going to vote for Biden. Why do I continue to bring that up? Because it is fucking concerning. And I don't want us to wait until August or September or October of 2024 and go, oh shit. When there is absolutely no time for a course correction. 
I posted this on social media and I had a bunch of people say this administration doesn't need a course correction. Inflation is coming down. Job numbers are good, blah, blah. Are people actually feeling those things? Or is it media manipulation? And just because things look good on paper, does it actually feel good in real life? Because to ignore the issues and the emotions that people are having, we do so to the peril of our democracy and global stability. We saw what happened during the first Trump administration when he realigned with our enemies and backed out of deals and agreements that we were at the forefront of creating. A vacuum was left. And I would argue that a lot of the instability that we are seeing now is because of that. So what do you think happens if a Donald Trump and the Republicans take control again because they are never going to give it back up? It isn't just about what happens in this country. It will be about what happens globally. You think that we're close to World War III now, just wait. Because that time around will be on the wrong side. So I think that it is incredibly important for us to continue to get a fuller picture of what is happening, which is why I'm very happy to welcome back my friend, independent journalist, former Today Show journalist, Danielle Campamore, back onto the show, who in this episode will share what she observed, what she has learned when she was on the ground in Israel, just hundreds of feet away from Gaza to get the stories that we need to hear and see. And so coming up next is that very important conversation with Danielle Campamore as we continue to try and make sense of what just seems absolutely insane. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/slash the Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. 
Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Folks, I am always so grateful when I have the opportunity to bring my friend, freelance journalist and reporter, former reporter for the thetodayshow.com, Danielle Campamore, on to Woke AF Daily. And most recently, Danielle was on the ground in Israel and Palestine reporting on the conditions there, speaking with women, speaking with people on the ground about what was happening, how they were feeling. Your recent piece, Danielle, is now up at Time magazine, and it's entitled, Their Kibbutz Was Attacked on October 7th. They're Determined to Rebuild. Danielle, talk to us just first. I I really want to know what compelled you, right, as we saw war begin as we saw the attacks happen on October 7th, and now we have witnessed the devastation thereafter. What compelled you to leave the safety of your home to go and report on the ground? Right. That's a really great question. And I think it really boils down to um, the stories that I knew were present on the ground and that needed to be told. You know, when the war broke out in Ukraine after Russia invaded and I covered that um, international crisis, it was the stories that were really, to me, the most compelling um, about survival, about hardship, about endurance, about vulnerability. Um, And it just goes to show that um, politics is personal and vice versa. And there are these real life stories that are happening as a result of people's governments, result of other people's governments, other governments in other um, countries. And we can get really bogged down with the geopolitical discussions and what this means, both internationally and domestically, and overlook the the stories of real humans who just like us are just trying to put food on the table, take their kids to school, enjoy life, you know, be in love and and be in community um, with friends and neighbors. And so that was really what compelled me to go is um, those stories. It's so easy, especially leading up to an election to get bogged down by the politics and ignore the fact that, that this is, um, this is affecting every aspect of these people's lives um, who are who are there to, to pick up the pieces and, and try to move forward. So tell us, you know, t- take us on your journey. You know, you're you're leaving your own family, um, your husband, your two kids uh, behind and you get on a plane and you're heading to essentially the other side of the world to report. Um, talk to us about getting onto the ground and, you know, and where you were headed. Right. So it was um, pretty overwhelming, the process of just even boarding the plane, um, given security measures, uh, you know, it was pretty difficult in terms of, you know, why are you going to Israel? What are you going to do there? Um, et cetera. So even just the security process, I perhaps na- naively had assumed that the flight would be empty. It was not. It was 
filled with people going back home, um, which I thought really from even the beginning before I've been gotten Israel was, was really incredible. And then, um, similar to honestly, when I was preparing to go to Ukraine overseas and then Rob elementary happened and instead I was told, oh, you're no. not going to go to Ukraine. You're going to go to Rob on the flight, the shooting in Maine happened. And I found myself once again, as a member of the press in the United States covering a war overseas and simultaneously writing about weapons of war and the devastation that they cause here at home. So even that was just getting off the plane and having that shooting happening at home and then preparing to go into a war zone. Um, I stayed in Tel Aviv, uh, got to also visit the Kibbutz Kafar Azah, which is less than two miles away from Gaza. Um, that's the closest that I was allowed to get without an IDF um, escort. And in order for journalists to be escorted into Gaza with IDF, you have to turn over um, your footage, um, which was not something that I was willing to do as an independent journalist. Um, mm -hmm. So that's the closest that I could get to Gaza was a little less than two miles away. Um, and then just spoke to uh, family members of those who were kidnapped, those who were killed, those who were managed to survive either a kibbutz raid or the raid at the um, rave at the concert. Mm -hmm. um, and simultaneously seeing how strange it is for people to continue living it at a time of war. Sirens would yeah. go off three times every single day. And every single day, everyone would stop what they're doing, run to the nearest shelter, wait for it to be over and then continue on with their life. And that was a real big culture shock for me of just, it was really part of everyday life at that point of um, sirens and, and bombings going off. Um, yeah, I was there for a week. You know, Danielle, I, I, I said this the other day to, to, uh, to another friend of mine where I said, you know, it never occurred to me when I was learning about the black plague that people were still going to work. Right. Like it never occurred. Like as you're, you know, you're you're in school and you're learning about these points in history and you never really think about, well, what is actually happening with the people? You have this idea of war. You have this idea of pandemic, of plague. And so when you just explain the fact that these sirens are going off three times a day. How are people, the people that you're talking to, how are they even maintaining any semblance of of normalcy, like the sirens go off and then it's all clear and they can go about their day. Like, what does it even mean to go about your day in a time of war? Right. I think that is one of the things that's most fascinating and it's very difficult to quantify for those who've never been in that um, kind of situation or in that kind of environment. But you really see that people aren't a monolith and the varying ways in which people can respond to traumatic events and continued traumatic events. So, for example, um, the survivors of Kfaraza are temporarily relocated and they're staying at a hotel. Um daily life does look different for them. And then at the same time, it doesn't, they made a makeshift kindergarten. The kids are going to school and playing. Um, elderly folks are coming together, going back to rebuild the kibbutz. A lot of people are volunteering. Um, and so there's still joy. You see people still playing with their children, holding their newborns, talking with friends. They're on social media. There's, there's joy. Um, and then a siren goes off and it was very interesting to be in a, in a safe room with a group of survivors and then see some people looked really angry. 
Some people looked extremely scared. Some people looked completely unfazed. Some people were able to joke. Some people looked completely disassociated. So I saw this group of people who've gone through a very similar experience, but the varying ways in which it's impacting them and how they're trying to manage. Um, And so it really is this kind of weird suspension of time where you can see some people are still incredibly scared. Some people, uh, the fear has been overtaken by anger and they're really, really, really angry. Um, Some people are just completely trying to disassociate and put one foot in front of the other. Um, And so it depends on really who you're talking to. Um, But one thing is for sure is that everyone that I spoke to, even if they have a different opinion of what should come next, agree that something must come next. There is no, no waiting. There's no pausing. It's one foot in front of the other. We have to keep moving forward. Um, And you see that every day. And like I said, friends will be sitting at a cafe. They hear a siren, run into the nearest restaurant to go into their safe room, come back out, finish their coffees. And they're laughing two minutes later. I mean, it's, it's truly unbelievable, the resiliency of humanity. Um, And it's unfortunate that we only really see that or acknowledge that resilience in moments like this. You know, I I, want to speak to you too about being two miles away from Gaza. Since you have uh, returned um, and since the beginning of uh, the the bombings, um, over 10,000 people have been killed. more than half of them being children in Gaza. And I want to get your thoughts or from what you heard from people in and around that area about their feelings about Netanyahu and their government's response to the trauma and the tragedy that occurred on October 7th. Yes, absolutely. That's a great question. Every single person that I spoke to was very quick to want to talk politics, which I also thought was very interesting. I think, again, there in Israel, people are very, very acutely aware, especially after October 7th, how much their politics and government failed them and how that has impacted their lives now. Uh, No one that I spoke to likes Netanyahu. They all blame him. Um, There was a lot of discussion about him perhaps prolonging the war in order to maintain power because he continues to say, we'll look at, you know, how this happened. We'll have investigations, but when the war is over, which really kind of gave people a sense of perhaps that doesn't give him a whole lot of incentive to end the war sooner. Everyone was very, very, very upset, worried, and um, concerned about the, those that were kidnapped and how little was being done to get them back. Um, you know, one mom in particular, uh, she survived the attack with her three children and her husband, her best friend's husband died protecting their home. You know, she said, look, we've lived close to Gaza. We want our Palestinian neighbors to, to be happy, to have joyful lives. It wasn't uncommon for Palestinians to come from Gaza into the kibbutz to work and then go back because they would get paid more in a day than they would in a week in Gaza. So it was not uncommon. Um, You know, so she was very um, forthright about how we just want to live in peace. We want peace for everybody. Um, You know, calls for a ceasefire and specifically to get the kidnapped um, out. Uh, And so really there's a lot of um, distrust with the government. They don't think Mm. that the government is able to keep them safe. 
um, and a lot of anger at Netanyahu for not taking responsibility for um, at least not seeing that this attack was going to happen. The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. I think about this a lot, and I think about the way in which corporate media, mainstream media, has given Americans in particular an incredibly sanitized and one-side view of conflict in general, but particularly as it pertains to Israel and Palestine, where billions of our tax dollars go every single year since the creation of Israel. And I wonder, you know, just as if we all in the United States are not MAGA, right, are not in support of Donald Trump, I think that what has been shown about Israel is as if everyone is in support of Netanyahu and is in support of these raids. And so, Danielle, being now a you know a, a freelance journalist, what do you think about one the the amount of journalists that have been killed right in in their coverage whose whose homes have been bombed, whose families have been killed? There have been I think over fifty at this point, um, you know, or or, or more. Um, what do you think about the portrayal of people inside of Israelis? Um, and, and our understanding of the, the, the depth and dimension of political thought, frustration, anger, and grief that we don't see. Right. I mean, you, you nailed it on the head is there is a depth there and there's so much substance that I think mainstream media is just quite frankly afraid of. And that's something that, you know, you asked at the beginning, what compelled me to go and it's the stories. And it's also, you know, part of that, this kind of uh, fear, I think that I saw play out in real time while I was still, um, you know, formally employed of just, this is a complicated issue and right. that complicated issue deters editors from assigning certain things or for, for um, 
quite frankly, us doing our job. If an issue is complicated, that means that we then have the obligation to inform the public of this complicated, nuanced thing. Uh, war certainly being one of them. And in this situation, that fear is very palpable, I think, in newsrooms aco- across the country, um, in particular mainstream ones of just not wanting to step into this complicated thing and and being called out or being labeled biased um, as if that's not going to happen in this political climate anyways. Um, and so, no, I think that there is this very singular viewpoint. And that's why, again, I think it's so important to really get on the ground and actually speak to people because um, then you will learn that this is not everyone. I mean, Israel is certainly united as a group of people after the October 7th attack, but that certainly doesn't mean that they were united behind their government. Um, mm, and I think mm-hmm. that that is a very big difference. And, and that's at least what I heard on the ground is that they are very skeptical, skeptical of their government um, and of what has transpired since October 7th. And so again, if we got past our fear here of, of appearing biased, of appearing like we have an ulterior motive as journalists and instead just reporting on complicated situations in nuanced ways with nuance and perhaps um, a more uh, realistic uh, group of voices, then I think our public would be better for it. And we've seen how polarizing it can be when, when we fail to do our jobs and provide that context. You know, coming back now after having been there for a week, what was the adjustment like in 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 coming back for you um and and how how does an on the ground journalist take care of your own mental health after you've seen and heard and reported on something so devastating coming back was really difficult i didn't want to get on the plane um you know, the, when 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 I went, one of the things that my I had a personal security that had to go with me, and one of the things that I had to download was in Israel they have a warning system on your phone for when the Iron Dome is initiated. Basically, just shows you where the sirens are um, before they show up. It's like a couple seconds before. I can't bring myself to take it off, so I'm still getting notifications of when they're being hit in. Um, in Tel Aviv or in, in parts of Israel. Um, it was really challenging to dive back into the discourse here. Um, when, like you said, that nuance and that depth, people just aren't getting it. It's been really challenging to, to hear certain opinions that um, I think are not born out of fact or an actual knowledge of the region or the people. Um, And that's been really challenging. It's been challenging to um, continue to check in on the people that I spoke to. Um, You know, I want to go back. Um, So that's been hard. In terms of mental health, I think so much of it is this, talking about it. Um, Yeah. I think what would do my mental health the worst is feeling like I didn't do my job. I didn't tell those stories that if I was – if I took the time to be there, came home and didn't do what I promised I would do, then that would be devastating. So talking about it, writing about it, but then also um, spending time with my kids, turning off the news, at least at night, um, 
and uh, you know, trying to remember those moments of joy that we talked about. Um, and I know that those moments of joy are happening in Gaza as well. And I'm hoping to be able to go back and actually go into Gaza again under those what conditions I don't know. Um, and I know for a fact that there's so many stories um, in Gaza that aren't being told, not just ones of, of deep sorrow and loss and trauma, but of joy. And I think, you know, both Israelis and Palestinians deserve to see their people in the media also being joyful and, and Mm -hmm. celebrating their lives, Mm -hmm. not just in the wreckage of war. So, um, I think about a lot about that, about seeing, you know, a, a toddler who had survived a horrific attack playing with his dad and mom friends, hugging each other and, and just supporting each other. You know, I think about that and that, that helps too. You know, Danielle, I, I am always in awe of the work that you do and the writing that you do and the coverage. And, you know, I, I thought like, I, I I'd sent you a, a quick note when I saw that you were leaving and, you know, said like, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll pray for you and, you know, and, and send positive energy because I was really you know, as I'm certain so many people um, who follow you were. Um, but I, I I recognize in your reporting and your coverage always that you bring us the stories that we need. Um, and, and you do it at, um, you know, it is it is a public service um, that that you are doing. And I just want to appreciate you and and, you know, and uplift you for that. Um, and, and tell folks, you know, Danielle's story is up now at time.com. Their kibbutz was attacked on October 7th. They're determined to rebuild. I encourage everyone to read it, to share it, to post it. Um, it's this kind of reporting and work that we need to really uplift. And so thank you. Um, thank you for, you know, for, for saying I'm back and I can come on this show. Um, and I'm so glad that we were able to make it happen. I, I, I genuinely appreciate you so much. No, of course. Thank you as always. And for always uplifting these stories, the world needs clearly more Danielle's in it. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> appreciate you. That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
that. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.